0: She's amazing, by the way. I think she's totally awesome. Danielle Bean is, and it's not because she's standing right behind me, okay? Danielle Bean is is creator and host of The Gist, a weekly Catholic women's television talk show on Catholic TV. She is also host of The Girlfriends podcast and creator of The Girlfriends Community, a supportive and encouraging online community for Catholic women from all walks of life. Danielle is author of 10 books including You Are Enough and Giving Thanks and Letting Go. Her most recent book Whisper Finding God in the Every Everyday is an intimate and down to earth read that encourages us to slow down and experience God in everyday moments. Okay, another warm welcome for Danielle Beam.
1: Take it out of there. Oops. Found its own spots. Good. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. First of all, just how awesome are you guys? I mean, how awesome is it to be here surrounded by all of these faith-filled, joyful, dynamic women who have come together expressly for the purpose of encouraging each other in our faith and family lives. I wanna thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time, because I know how hard it is to dedicate a Saturday to this, and the fact that you all, these numbers of women, have done that here today in Columbus is so encouraging to me. I love it. It's what I'm all about. So Debbie mentioned in my introduction the the Girlfriends Community, and that's been a a little newest project of mine. If you want to check it out, you can go to girlfriendscommunity.com, I would love to welcome you there. But what I try to do there is part of what I've been trying to do my whole life, which is connect women with one another. Because I can write a book, and I can speak somewhere, I can do a podcast or a TV show, and I can share my own heart, but nothing can replace the value of what happens here in a place like this today, of women connecting with one another, uniquely for the purpose of lifting each other up, encouraging each other. The fact that you are here and you've made that commitment is so encouraging to me. So I wanna thank you for that. What a gift your presence is here today. So I'm gonna talk a little bit today about how God whispers how God whispers to us. But before I get into that, I wanna remind you that you can do hard things. I loved what Father Rob shared about being a warrior, about being a praying mama, being a praying woman. We are uniquely gifted as women with the gifts and strengths that we need to love the people that he's placed in our lives. And sometimes that does mean being on your knees outside your child's bedroom being on your knees, praying for your friends, for your family, for your coworkers. We can do hard things and often we are called to do hard things, but we don't have to do them alone. And that is part of what we're here to witness to one another here today. Now each one of us has our own hard things that we are called to do. I don't know the details of your unique calling. There are many things we have in common, But each of us has a unique calling, a unique way that God is calling us to do those hard things in our lives. It might be through your family life. And even if you're called to marriage and parenthood, that's going to change throughout your lifetime as your family grows and changes. My husband, Dan, and I have been married for almost 29 years. Together, we have eight children that were all born inside of 12 years. Let me tell you, when our oldest was 12 and we had those stair-step children... There's quite a different life from the kind that I'm leading right now, right? I know some of you understand that. So it's hard. We're called to hard things in different ways throughout our lifetimes. But we are built for it. We are made for it. And we don't do it alone. We do it by the grace of God. So I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about ways that God whispers to us. So that's the title of my newest book, which is called Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. So I'm going to share with you today. Some of the ways that God whispers to us. How God speaks to us. How we can know his will. God whispers to us. I'm going to share some six different ways that we can listen. Because that's the key part, right? So where does this idea of God whispering come to us? Well, in the first book of Kings, we read about Elijah. When he is running away from Queen Jezebel, who is seeking to kill him. Right? She doesn't like his message. Right? He's preaching the truth. She's worshiping false gods. And so she decides she needs to have this guy killed. So he is on the run. And in that first book of Kings, we read, there he came to a cave where he took shelter. But the word of the Lord came to him. Why are you here, Elijah? He answered, I have been most zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. But the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They have destroyed your altars and murdered your prophets by the sword. I alone remain and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will pass by. Now pause. Wouldn't you like to hear that, right? We're wondering where God is in our lives. Wouldn't you like to get the message? Just head on outside. The Lord is going to pass by, right? So this is the message Elijah gets. So of course he goes out, right? There was a strong and violent wind rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a light, silent sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said to him, Why are you here, Elijah? A light, silent sound. Some translations call that a still, small voice. That is how God came to him, not in the wind, not in the earthquake not in the fire. And sometimes we struggle in life because that's where we want to hear from God is in these large and dramatic ways. I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl, I was raised to one of nine in a beautiful Catholic family, raised to pray the rosary. And I remember just kneeling beside my bed with my sister, praying the rosary. We had propped up this holy card of Our Lady of Fatima, right? And I was so jealous of those kids at Fatima. Like, why did Mary show up for them? Surely she was going to come into my bedroom right now and talk to me and my sister. How could she resist this scene, right? And I feel like I've spent a lifetime wanting God to speak to me like that. And of course, we have these dramatic moments in our lives. Father Rob, for sure, shared such a dramatic story of conversion. And many of us have those stories. But that's not the most common way that God speaks to us. And when we're struggling, when we feel like God is far away, when we feel like God is distant, when we feel like we don't know what God's will can possibly be for our lives right now, that's when he's whispering. And you're not going to hear it if you're looking for it in the fire, in the earthquake, in the wind, in these dramatic ways. But think of the idea of a whisper. I love that title for my book because if God is whispering to you, if someone's whispering to you, that indicates a certain level of intimacy, doesn't it? And if someone's whispering to you, you need to be quiet and you need to be still in order to hear it. And you might even lean in a little closer and focus so that you can hear what that person is whispering to you. There are many flashy things in the world that vie for our attention, but the Lord is not in those flashy things. But is that how you're waiting for the Lord to speak to you through flashy things? Are you looking for God to interrupt your scrolling through Instagram and speak to you? Are you looking for him to shout over the sound of your Netflix? It's not going to happen that way. How do we hear God? In Psalm 46, we read, be still and know that I am God. We need to be still to hear the whispers of God. And there's nothing more countercultural than that. Our world will not tell you to be still. Our world will tell you to hustle. Our world will tell you to be productive, to get moving, to do, 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 accomplish more things, have something to show for yourself. Our world doesn't value being still. And yet that's what I would encourage you to think about here today. That's what I would love for you to take away today into your Lent, starting on Wednesday. How are you going to be still? this Lent. Jesus gives us an example of being still multiple times in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 5, we read, the report about him spread all the more and great crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments, but he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. Luke chapter 6, in those days he departed to the mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer to God. Mark chapter 1, rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. This is what we're about to embark on, following Jesus' example in the desert. Now, I sometimes am jarred by these Scripture passages that talk about Jesus going away to pray. I mean, Jesus is God. Why does he need to go away and pray? This doesn't make sense. Right? And yet, he is setting that beautiful example for us. Because he was fully God, but he's also fully human, which meant he needed that relationship with the Father. He was built for it. And he needed to seek it out. You see how he pulled away? Even in these times of great commotion, he was accomplishing many things. He would go away to pray. Do we do that? Do you do that? When you read these passages, is there any part of your life that sounds anything like that, going away to pray? Do you pull away to pray? We have the gift of this example, and yet do we follow it? Now, sometimes when life is very busy, we're tempted to think and say, and I've done this many times, oh, my life is a prayer, right? And that can be beautifully true. But I'm here today to tell you that is not true if you don't have times in your life that are set aside for prayer. How can you have a relationship with God if you're not taking that time away to pray? And I understand that times are busy, that life is full of things that we must do. And thanks be to God for the many things that busy, beautiful women of faith are doing in the world and in their homes and their families and their workplaces today. And yet still... If that work that you feel called to do is important, all the more important that you are taking time to pray. That means set aside time for prayer, starting with where you are. So going into this Lent, I have a question for you about how are you going to be still during these 40 days of Lent? In what ways will you be still so that you could hear a still small voice. How will you know that he is God? How will you set aside time for that, even in the midst of life's busyness? Our church gives us this gift of the penitential season of Lent, which is set apart. It's a reset. We all need that. We need that reminder of where we come from, where we're going, what our goals are. All right, so when we're trying to discern God's will for our lives, when we're trying to hear God's voice, there are ways that we can help ourselves to do that better. I'm going to share six different ways today that we can help ourselves along the way toward listening for the ways that God might be whispering to you. The first is keep it simple. We can make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. So many times, right? We don't yet have that spiritual life that we know we should, right? We, we kill ourselves with that idea of should, what we should be doing, and we guilt trip ourselves with it. So much so that we don't even begin We feel that we can't even begin, we're paralyzed. We can't even begin to do the first right thing toward building a relationship with God because we're not yet at the place where we feel like we should be, right? And there's nobody who loves that more than the enemy. There's nobody who is more afraid of, as Father Rob said, a praying mama, a praying woman than the enemy because he knows what a powerful force for the good we are when we make that time to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And we sometimes do make it more complicated than it needs to be. And we we fail to see the ways that God is speaking to us because we reject the sort of normal, ordinary, mundaneness of our everyday lives as this can't possibly be God's will for me. You know, one time, uh, several years ago now, I woke up in the middle of the night and I shook my husband, Dan, awake. And I said, Dan, 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 wake up. We need to be missionaries in Calcutta. Now, I told you we've been married for almost 29 years now. Dan knows me well, and he said, no, we don't need to do that. Go back to sleep. We'll talk about it in the morning. And we did talk about it in the morning, and I came to realize that we were going through some tough things. We had teenagers who were doing all the things we said our kids would never do. I was going through difficult times at work. There was strain and family illness and things going on like that. And what I realized and had to laugh at myself was that I was looking to escape that, right? I was looking to escape that. And in my mind, Calcutta seemed like the perfect place to escape to. (laughs) And sometimes we do that, right? We think this can't be God's will for my life because it needs to look and sound and feel more glamorous than this, right? And yet... People ask me all the time, like, how can I know God's will for my life? And I I more often than not will tell them, God's will for you is probably standing in your living room asking you what's for dinner. God's will is the people that he places in your life for you to love. That can be your husband. It can be your kids. It can be your co-workers. It can be nieces and nephews. It can be your students. It can be your neighbors. It can be that old man at church. The people God places in your life for you to love are God's will for you. Living, breathing manifestations of God's will. And Jesus shows us the simplicity of that. When he comes to us in human form, he didn't come as a grand king or a powerful politician. He could have done that. But what did he do? He came to us as a tiny, helpless baby born to a simple woman. Right? And Mary gives us that example of her trust, her simple trust, and embracing of what God's will is for her, even when she doesn't understand it, even if she doesn't know all the things yet. In that story of the Annunciation, the, the angel said to her in reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your will. How did she have that kind of trust when she couldn't have fully comprehended everything that she was saying yes to? It was because she had that relationship with the Lord. She knew him. So what holds us back from having that kind of trust, from giving God that kind of yes, from Mary's example? Well, oftentimes fear will hold us back. One of my favorite quotations is from C.S. Lewis, who once wrote, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. And now, does that describe your relationship with God sometimes, right? I want to challenge you to think about what's your perception of God, Do you have an idea, at least on some level, that God is out to get you? That you can't trust God because he'll take everything, right? We feel like we know best. And we're worried about losing what we value, the people we love most, our goals, our dreams. And sometimes those words, thy will be done, as Mary says in this beautiful example at the Annunciation, Let it be done to me according to your word. That is the hardest prayer to pray. Because what if God's will isn't our will? Father Jacques Philippe, how many people have read Father Jacques Philippe? Okay, that's not enough hands. Everybody get out and get Father Jacques Philippe's books. He's got several. They're so small and accessible. They will fit in your bag. You can read them quickly, but they are so deep. He says such beautiful truths that are so accessible and so applicable to daily life. I can't recommend these books highly enough. But in his book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace, he said, God asks for everything, but he doesn't necessarily take everything, right? This is sometimes the concept we have. He wants us to turn our lives over to him. And yet sometimes we hesitate to do that. We cling to these things out of fear. And just challenge your perception of God. Do you believe that God wants what is best for you? Then why would we hesitate? I'm not blaming you. It's human to hesitate. I do it too. But why would we hesitate if we believe that God wants good things for us? Why would we hesitate to turn our lives over to him? So sometimes that fear is holding us back. But also a lack of prayer. If you are lacking time set aside every day for prayer right now, I don't care if it's just five minutes, make that your Lenten project. Find that time that you're going to set aside for prayer each day because you can't trust somebody that you don't know and you can't know somebody that you don't spend time with. Be still and know that he is God. Know that he is calling you into relationship with him, that he loves you with a deep, personal, intimate, lasting love you can't know that if you don't spend time with him you can't know that if you are not still so that lack of prayer that lack of contemplation so that idea of contemplation this is this is one thing I would love for you to make time for in your spiritual life in the upcoming season of Lent to let God love you that sounds simple but it's not we battle it we fight it we think we're not worthy of love there was once a monk who spent time in adoration. And when he came out, somebody asked him, what, what are you doing there? And he said, I look at him and he looks at me. What a beautiful description of contemplative prayer. Being content in one another's company. I look at him and he looks at me. Find a way to spend time doing that. And if you are uncomfortable with the concept, start small, start where you are. Start with just five minutes of letting God look at you, letting God love you. What a beautiful prayer it is to sit in God's presence and ask him to help you know his love. But that's a scary thing to do. The other thing that can get in the way of us placing this simple trust in God is our own faults, which we are all too aware of, our own weaknesses, our own failures, the ways that we are not up to snuff. We all all know all too well the ways that we're flawed. And we can sometimes make that an excuse. We think God can't work with this. He can't work with this because I'm too messed up. I'm too weak. I have these sins in my past. I have these sinful attachments in my life now, these bad habits. I'm weak in all of these ways. And yet, come to see those weaknesses as the way that God wants to connect with you. Not something that gets in the way, but the very way that you can connect with God. Recognize that every human being is vulnerable. Every human being is weak and flawed and scared and is not in control, those times in your life where you feel like you are in control of things are an illusion. And we all know all too well how some small thing can happen that will disrupt our lives, and when all of a sudden we become aware of how weak we are, how dependent we are on God. I had one of those moments just a couple of weeks ago. Do you want to hear about the knee? Yes, of course you do. My husband, Dan, gave me a Christmas gift of a weekend away at Stratton Mountain in Vermont to go skiing. And when we were halfway down the mountain on our first run, I took a hard fall. And you know, I wasn't listening for the whisper of God, but neither was I whispering for the sound of the tearing of my ACL. I did hear that. But you know, find yourself in a moment like that and you recognize within seconds, just how helpless and vulnerable you are. Find yourself on the side of a mountain with snow all around, on skis, and unable to stand. That's a pretty helpless moment. That's a pretty scary moment. And yet I knew God was there with me. My husband Dan was too, thanks be to God, and Mike on a snowboard from Ski Patrol. Excellent, thank you, Mike. But you know, when when Ski Patrol came and I had to get strapped I had to lie down on a sled and get strapped in. And then Mike on a snowboard, snowboarded me on that sled straight down the mountain at what felt like a hundred miles per hour. Talk about lacking control, right? I was just there with my goggles on saying, Lord, are you here? Are you hearing this now? Because I want to surrender my life to you, Lord. And sometimes we feel that surrender much more clearly than other times, right? But, you know, in the time since then, it's been a couple of weeks now, and I'm scheduled for surgery next month. What a gift. I never would have asked to have this injury, but what a gift to be reminded how weak I am, how vulnerable I am, how dependent I am. What a gift to be forced to sit down, to be unable to do basic things, that I've taken for granted to have to accept the help of others and recognize just how weak and dependent I am. Everyone should have that gift of knowing how weak we are. Because in Second Corinthians we read, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me, Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You are never stronger than when you know how weak you are. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Do you find yourself flawed and struggling? Thanks be to God, rejoice, give God that weakness, give God those struggles. He can make them perfect in his power. Look at those ways that you struggle, look at the challenges you face, the obstacles you face in your life, those difficulties that you never would choose for yourself, right? We never get those fancy crosses that we imagine for ourselves, right? We get the ones that we, want, we don't want, the ones we never saw coming. Open yourself up to those things and recognize that God is speaking to you through that. He's reminding you of just how much you need him. And that's all he ever wanted you to know anyway, was recognize how much you need him, how dependent upon God you are. All right, the second way to be listening for the whispers of God is to open your heart. Do you pray to hear God's voice? You should. Ask for that grace. Again, Father Jacques Philippe in the School of the Holy Spirit, he reminds us to pay attention to those whisperings, those nudges of the Holy Spirit, those little inspirations. Because the more we listen to them and the more we respond to them, the better we will hear them. We will be more in tune with that voice of the Holy Spirit. So you need to have that time for daily prayer. But then throughout your day, Make sure you're listening for those little nudges and inspirations of the Holy Spirit and then make sure, this is the tough part, you follow through and respond to them. How many times do we feel a little nudging like, talk to that person, say you're sorry, call that friend, offer to help, and we push it away. Immediately think of all the reasons why we can't possibly do that thing, right? Begin to listen to those nudgings, those inspirations as the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond to them. When our kids were little, we used to tell them, we don't want obedience, we want right away obedience. That became a phrase in our house, right? It, it lives to this day, and I hope to pass it on to grandchildren. Because if it's not right away obedience, it's not obedience. Right away obedience, not questioning, not pushing back, right away obedience. And that is what we owe the Holy Spirit. One example of a time that this took place in my life was I was making a, a habit of spending time in Scripture, reading Scripture in the mornings. And just, you know, praying over it, spending some quiet time in reflection each day. And there was one day where I read the scripture passage where where Peter goes to our Lord and he says, how many times must we forgive? Seven times, right? And, And what did Jesus tell him? No, seven times, 70 times, right? Infinite number of times you must forgive. And, you know, I read that one morning and I spent some time and I, you know, reflecting on that infinite number of times that we're called and reflecting on the mercy of God. And, and then I went about my day. And it wasn't until days later that we had a, a morning where uh, my husband and Dan and I, was, we were getting ready in the morning. He was going to get ready and head out to work. We kind of had a misunderstanding between us. And he said something that I thought was rude and not, not necessary, right? And I just started stewing about that, right? He went downstairs, and I was just working this over in my mind, like, okay, that was rude, that wasn't fair, here are all the things, I'm going to tell him about that when I get downstairs, right? So I go downstairs where he's standing in the kitchen, and I open my mouth to let him know just what a rude jerk he was, right? And immediately the thought of that scripture passage came to my mind. How many times must we forgive, Lord? An infinite number of times. How many times does our Lord forgive us? An infinite number of times. And I felt this urging, this sudden inspiration that instead of telling my beloved husband, Dan, what a jerk he was, I could tell him instead that I was grateful for him. So I did that. And he was so shocked, right? (laughs) He almost dropped his toast. And we just had a little, a little sweet moment where it was like, you know, we just, you know, reconciled. And I don't even remember what the misunderstanding was about. It didn't matter at all. And I remember in that moment thinking, gosh, if only I could respond every time I feel that little inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My life could be filled with grace-filled moments like this. But we reject it. We fight it. We battle it. We argue with it because it's not fair or it's not the way it should be or I'd rather do this, right? But open your heart to understanding the ways that God is calling you to respond. And the more you open yourself up to it, the more you're going to hear it, just like Mary did. In that passage we read of the Annunciation, what did the angel Gabriel tell her? That her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. He didn't say, go and go take care of your cousin. She needs help right now. But Mary heard that. And she went, right? Scripture tells us she went in haste, right? During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. In haste. Who is the Holy Spirit telling you to go to in haste? Responding with that kind of urgency. Because Mary goes with, with that response to serve. To serve her sister in Christ, who needed her. And here in the visitation, this is such a beautiful example, because look at us here today. This is a great big visitation going on right here. All of you women connecting through your shared experience of womanhood. It's a visitation following our lady's example, looking to love and serve one another. So going out of that, from that urging of the Holy Spirit, to serve and then to see and then to sing. So let's look at that. First of all, to serve. We women have this unique capacity for seeing the needs of others and responding to them. St. John Paul II called it seeing with the eyes of the heart, that feminine genius we have where we can see the needs of others and we are just overcome with this need to meet that need, find a way to meet it, right? Serving one another. That's part of how we connect with each other. But also seeing. Women in the Gospels show us the beautiful gift of seeing others for who they are. So St. John Paul II called it seeing with the eyes of the heart. When you are uniquely seen and known and loved, nothing else in the world matters. We all want that. We want to be seen, we want to be known, and we want to be loved. Well, women have a unique capacity for that kind of seeing, that gift of love for the people that God has placed in your life. Seeing. So in this case, Elizabeth sees, right? She speaks out loud the truth about the Savior that is there present, unborn, right? She says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? She knows this truth, not because any human being told her, and she sees. Also, the woman at the well, the, the gospel story of the woman at the well, the first person to whom Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah was a woman, and she went. And told all of her people, come and see. Because she knew him. She saw the truth of who he was. And Mary, who anointed him as the Messiah, as the Savior, before his death. And Mary Magdalene, after he had risen from the dead, she saw. Her eyes were opened in the garden. First she thought he was the gardener, right? But then her eyes were opened. she says, my Lord. Women have this unique capacity for seeing. Open your heart to that gift that you have. And then comes the singing, which we see here in the visitation with Mary and her Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What a beautiful gift that is, to be called to sing that. And we are all called to sing I don't know in what ways, but you are called to speak the truth about the goodness of God, to share his love with the people that God has placed in your life. What is your Magnificat? What is God calling you to sing? So these are some of the unique ways that we can open our hearts as women through serving, through seeing, through singing. All right, the third way that I want to share about that you can open up to listen more carefully to hear the whispers of God is to rethink your approach to prayer. We've talked a little bit about prayer and I'm telling you, you gotta have some time that is set aside specifically for prayer each day. But rethink your approach to prayer. Like maybe you do have a set prayer time, but do you do what I'm sometimes tempted to do? Show up to your daily prayer time with an agenda, right? Sometimes I go to prayer time and it's like I am running a board meeting I'm like, here's the next item, and then I would like for you to do this, please, and then this and this, and take care of that thing, and then take care of this other thing, and then change this person in this way, right? I run my board meeting, and yet that's not how we're supposed to approach prayer. And and sometimes we approach prayer. I, I call this like a gumball machine prayer, right? Where it's like, I I prayed for the thing, I said a rosary, now. I'm going to turn the handle, I'm going to get my prize, right? Like I prayed. I put in my, I put in my prayer, and now I want, I want what I prayed for. And yet, that's not how prayer works. Prayer isn't us going to God and telling him our will so that he can do what we want and we can change him, right? Prayer is meant to change us. Prayer is meant to open us more and more up to the will of God, to his will for us in our lives. But the good news is, That God can work with you wherever you are, however much of a beginner you might be in your prayer life. He can work with that. He can begin there. I had a beautiful story many years ago when um, I was pregnant with our fourth child, and my husband, Dan, and I, we were building a house, and we were still living in the house we were renting. So we were paying rent, and we were already paying mortgage on the construction loan for this house. It was a very tight budget time, right? While I was pregnant with our fourth and yet I realized that we weren't going to have when this fourth child arrived a vehicle that was large enough to fit all of us in together we had two cars but they were smaller cars and I just became kind of obsessed with this idea like we have to have a minivan we need a minivan like everybody I know has a minivan we need a minivan and I, I brought that to Dan and I was like we need to do this and he's like there's just not it's just not the budget for it right now like it's not going to happen You know, when we need to, we'll take two cars. This is how it has to be for right now. I remember just whining to him and being like, I just want to be normal. Hmm. My husband's a little too smart for that. He said, what do you think is normal like in a third world country? Having two cars at your disposal or having a minivan? Like, what do you think is normal? So um, that wasn't working. So I decided instead, I was like, well, I'll just bring this to prayer then. But I was bringing it to prayer. I, I like to say that I prayed like a brat. Right through this entire pregnancy, like prayed like this Lord, please provide us with a minivan, even though that's not possible. Lord, Lord, you know, you, I know you want good things for us. Right? And I was just kind of rolling my eyes a bit as I was praying, but I was faithful in that prayer and I prayed like a brat through that entire pregnancy, saying, Lord, even though this isn't going to happen, I'm praying, asking, please some way, somehow, that you can provide a vehicle that our whole family can fit in. Amen. You know, really beautiful, inspiring stuff. <laughs> so I prayed like a brat through that whole pregnancy, and then when I was about eight and a half months pregnant, my husband, Dan, he called me from work, and he said, oh, I've got a surprise for you. I'm bringing home a surprise. And, you know, when you're eight and a half months pregnant, you don't want a surprise. I was like, no, I, no, no, thank you. Uh, just tell me what you're doing. And he was like, no, no, I'll be home shortly. And... A few minutes later, he turns into our driveway, driving a minivan, and I was astonished. And I was like, what is this, what's going on? And so he worked at a school that was run by an order of priests, and he said, you know, this afternoon, one of the priests came up to me and said they were were upgrading some of their vehicles, and would I like a minivan? (laughs) And my husband, Dan, said to me, I have no idea why he thought of me. And I love to share that story because it's such a powerful truth. And it really spoke to me then that God can work with you where you are. Pray your bratty prayer. Roll your eyes as you're praying it. Because he can work with that. Roll your eyes. So remember that. Start where you are and know that God can work with it. And be receptive to the unique ways that God might be looking to work with it. And it can be scary, though, because, you know, look at Jesus' example, though. I love this, because we talked about how Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. And he gives us this beautiful example of prayer the night before he was to die. Because he fully embraces the humanity of that moment and the fear and the very real anxiety and the dread he had. Jesus didn't come and suffer and die for our sins and think it was fantastic. He didn't do that because it felt good, because it felt natural. He wasn't looking forward to it, right? That night before, he felt so alone and abandoned and rejected, and he dreaded what lay ahead. And what did he pray? He prayed, Lord, take this, take this cup from me. And so it's okay. I take great consolation in those words because it's okay if that is your prayer. If you are suffering through something very hard, perhaps that's the only prayer you can pray and do it. He gives us that beautiful example of it. Lord, take this cup. Take this away. But then, because he is perfect, our Lord finishes that perfect prayer by saying, but not my will, but your will be done. He gives us that beautiful example of faithfulness, right? Not my will, your will, Lord. And so that's the part that we may need to work on praying. And sometimes you might just be saying the words and you don't feel it and you don't mean it and your prayer can become, help me to feel this. Help me to mean these words that I am saying because there's nothing scarier to pray sometimes than thy will be done. I remember one time I had a good friend who had a newborn baby who was very sick in the hospital and we thought he was dying. And I went to pray with my friend and I could not say those words, thy will be done, because I was terrified of what God's will might be. And that might be you. You might be terrified of what God's will might be. But open your heart to where God wants to work with you and know that he can work with you right where you are. That he's not afraid of your weaknesses. He knows all about them. He's not discouraged and he does want good things for you. It just might not be something that you can understand in the moment. You know, one beautiful description of of life that my mom gave to me once was she said, you know, God is, he's in heaven and he sees the world And he knows his perfect plan for all things. And it's like he's weaving a beautiful tapestry. And from up there where he is, he knows the beauty of it, the patterns, the plans that he has. And he's doing that. And yet, we're underneath that tapestry looking up, right? And what do we see? We see all the knots and the threads and where it's tied off over here. And we can't see it the way that he does. We see the mess. And it can be frightening in the mess to understand the beautiful part the beautiful plan that God has for us in that so in opening your heart we do have a beautiful example in Mary that she shows us the value of being still so that's part of what i want you to think about this lent is ways that God might be calling on you to be still and know that he is God so she gives us this beautiful example again at the nativity when Jesus is born Right? All these angels are singing in the sky and the shepherds are coming and she's holding this tiny baby. And yet what do we read in scripture? We read in Luke, Mary kept all of these things reflecting on them in her heart. Right? In the Magnificat, we see this beautiful example. She is serving, she is seeing, she is singing. And yet here, what is Mary doing in this great moment in the history of mankind? In this great moment, certainly in her life. She doesn't do anything. She is still. She keeps these things and reflects on them in her heart. So our Lord calls us to see that value. Mary gives us that example to see that value of being rather than doing. Of connecting, of relationship, the value of relationships. Over the value of our accomplishments, and there's nothing more countercultural than that. Right? There's nothing more countercultural than that. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to fast forward through some of these. My, my next one that I wanna talk about is seeking rest in God. A way that you can practice listening for the whispers of God is to seek rest in God. To realize prayer is not a to do, it's not another chore on your list. Because sometimes we feel tired, we feel burdened. I can't pray too, I can't do another thing, right? But we need to rethink that approach and seek rest in our relationship with God. In Matthew, our Lord says, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound nice? We're all busy women. There's nobody who needs a rest more than a busy woman in today's world. Are you weary? Our Lord sees you in your weariness. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. In Proverbs chapter 3, we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's easier said than done, right? But not trusting in our own understanding. When we go to prayer, it's not something we're doing. We're not going to impress God with what we're doing. We're being called always to surrender ourselves to him. Are, are, are many of you familiar with the surrender novena prayer? Okay, all right. Uh, we've got some work to do. Okay, so the surrender novena is, is a novena that, uh, the words of which were revealed to um, Don DeLindo Rutolo years ago. He's a servant of God on the path to sainthood. But these, these were words of our, that our Lord revealed to him. And each day of this novena, we are being called into a greater surrender of our lives to our Lord. And these, the passages in these, I really encourage you to check it out. If you're not familiar, I mean, it is published on my website. You can go to daniellebean.com surrender and you'll see the whole surrender novena there. It's all written out for you. But I'm just gonna read to you from day three because I, I think this is so powerful. Now, these are the words of our Lord to Don DeLinda Rotolo. How many things I do When the soul in so much spiritual and material need turns to me, looks at me and says to me, you take care of it, then closes its eyes and rests. In pain, you pray for me to act, but that I act in the way you want. You do not turn to me. Instead, you want me to adapt to your ideas. You are not sick people who ask the doctor to cure you, but rather sick people who tell the doctor how to So do not act this way, but pray as I taught you in the Our Father. Hallowed be thy name. That is, be glorified in my need. Thy kingdom come. That is, let all that is in us and in the world be in accord with your kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, in our need, decide as you see fit for our temporal and eternal life. If you say to me, truly, thy will be done, which is the same thing as saying, you take care of it. I will intervene with all my omnipotence, and I will resolve the most difficult situations. And then in this surrender novena, we pray 10 times at the end of reading the passage, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Now, does that sound like a cop-out to you, saying take care of everything? I really struggled when I first was learning this, this prayer. Because we're doers, right? We need to do things. And yet, if that's your response, I want to challenge you to think about the ways that God is calling you to surrender to him, to turn your life over to him, to allow him to take care of it. All right. Second to last point I'm going to make is to rethink your calendar this Lent. Can you do this for the next 40 days? Can you look at your calendar and see where you can build in margins? Where can you find space. Find space for that time for prayer to be still and know that he is God. How will you say no to some things in the coming six weeks in order to say yes to your relationship with God, in order to say yes to hearing the whispers of God in your life? You need time when you are not busy to do that, right? We do this. We think busyness is a virtue, right? Do you ever run to a friend at the store and you're like, oh, how are you busy? Yeah, how are you busy? Oh, I'm so busy. It's not a virtue. It's not a virtue. Don't brag about being busy. Right, I had a friend who told me once, busy is being under Satan's yoke. No. That doesn't sound so great, does it? No, don't be busy. Right? Look for ways that you can rethink your calendar. What can you say no to? And know that no is a complete sentence. This, is, this was mind-blowing to me years ago when my sister said this to me, when I was struggling to say no to something, I knew it was too much, I knew I shouldn't say yes to it, and yet still, we do this to ourselves. I don't know why, but we do this to ourselves. And I was really struggling with it. My sister told me, because what I was struggling with was how to explain to this person I needed to say no to this thing. And my sister said to me, no is a complete sentence. (laughs) It's true. You just say no. And you can just sit there in that uncomfortable silence. You do not owe that person an explanation. All right, if you're so uncomfortable you can't do that, then come up with some way of phrasing your priorities if you need to say no. And I find this is really helpful, especially for people who are chronic people pleasers, to just practice saying things like, that's not going to work for me right now. I love what you're doing. I can't be a part of it right now. I can't commit to that right now. Let me think about that. These are phrases that you can just have in the back of your mind and be ready to say them because that's how you build margins in your calendar. That's how you keep yourself from being under Satan's yoke. All right. All right, the sixth way that I want to encourage you to be open to hearing the whispers of God is to know that balance is a myth. Okay? But peace is not. Balance is a myth. This idea of balance. You know, we're all so weary. We don't have rest. We're all so busy. And we think, oh, I just, I just need to find the right balance, right? Work-life balance. It's a joke. It's not real, okay? We all have different obligations, different things that are vying for our time and attention. And we all need to prioritize. We all need to find out the things that God is really calling us to do. And balance, you know, we have this idea sometimes of balance in our lives like, oh, it's going to be this freeze-frame moment. I'm going to have everything in order and all my priorities are going to be well met and I'm going to be, you know, dividing my time and attention the way that I should. I'm going to be so balanced. And we think it's like this freeze-frame moment, like nobody move, right? I used to get like that, like when company was coming, you know, you know what we do, right? You're like in a frenzy in your house, right? And I remember one time... um, it was several years ago. There was a new family at our church we'd invited over, and they were, they were coming over, and I was just, you know, especially because it was people we didn't know very well, we had to have the house in order, the kids had to be clean, and I was like lecturing everybody on proper behavior, and please don't tell that joke that you told last Saturday, that kind of thing. And, and I remember thinking like, okay, everybody's clean, all the kids were lined up, and we were good, and I was like, freeze frame, like nobody move, right? And it was at that time that my my daughter Gabby was about four years old. And and when the people arrived, she opened the door and she's like, welcome, our house never looks like this. (laughs) Thank you, Gabby. Thank you. But you know what? That has always stayed with me because I remember it whenever I'm trying to put on a show for somebody. Our house never looks like this. And what a gift Gabby gave our friends, who are now very dear friends of ours, letting them know our house never looks like this. Nobody is balanced. Nobody has that freeze frame perfection. We're all juggling multiple priorities and that looks like motion. When you're paying attention to one thing, you're not paying attention to the other. When you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. But the opposite of that is true. When you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. So remember that. All right, I'm gonna have to wrap up, but I just wanna review, first of all, remember this Lent. If nothing else, find the space to be still and know that he is God. Where are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Put it on your calendar. Will it be first thing in the morning? Or does that not make sense for you right now? Don't set yourself up with standards of perfection you're not going to be able to meet, right? It could be first thing in the morning. It might be during your lunch hour. It might be in the evening before bed. It might be when you go for a walk in the afternoon. Find that space. Where, how, when will you be still and know that he is God? All right, and then the different points that I made about keeping it simple. It's not as complicated as we think. Open your heart the way that Mary gives us that beautiful example of openness. Rethink your approach to prayer. Don't bully God. Rest in God. Find find out that relationship with God is what you're built for. It's a gift to you. Rethink your calendar, and then finally know that balance is a myth, but peace is not. All right, finally, I want to encourage you. You're here among all these beautiful women. Find your sisters. Find your people. Make those connections because you're not meant to do this alone. We are all doing hard things. I know you are doing hard things, and you're not meant to do it alone. And don't go listening for the voice of God in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire. He's not there. He's in the whisper. He's in the still, small voice. And my prayer is that I've opened your heart just a little bit, enough today to the ways that God wants you to hear his whispers, the ways that God is asking you to be open to hearing his voice, especially during these upcoming days of Lent. And I pray this Lent will be a fruitful one for you and your family and that each and every day you will give yourself the gift of being still, and knowing that he is God. Thank you and God bless you.
0: Hi. Thank you.